1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com. And with the new KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, download it, Apple and Android users. Take advantage of all the listener rewards. It is a Thursday. It is February 23rd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll have a conversation. Doug Haller of The Athletic. Plenty of things around Valley Sports to get into with Doug today around 12.15. He is coming to us from The Athletic to talk uh, ASU hoops, U of A hoops, the matchup on Saturday, some Suns, and if we have some time, some Arizona Cardinals. So we'll get into all of that with Doug Haller. In addition to that, your phone calls today at 11.30 a.m. But let's set the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start here. ASU basketball. Rank your level of disappointment regarding the Pac-12 regular season. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Options are high, moderate, or low. Moderate leading the way at 63% of the vote. High trailing at 37% and low getting no love. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I think it's a you know, fair question. They've, you know, they got off to a hot start, and I think a lot of people were pretty excited you know, they beat a shorthand Creighton team when they played them, and also the Michigan victory not looking as good as it did at the time. Uh, as Michigan is, uh, I think it's safe to say, kind of been to, you know, not kind of, they've been a disappointment uh, nationally speaking this year. Uh, and then once they got to the conference play, you know, they seem to be in pretty good shape. And uh, the case can be made whether it's right or wrong or not. Maybe we could argue that uh, people would like to you know, bring that up. But uh, I don't know if they've recovered. I don't think they've recovered from the UCLA loss. You know, they're six wins away from beating UCLA, who at the time had won 14 consecutive games. Obviously, uh, UCLA lost uh, the next game in Tucson, and then they lost at home to USC. But since then, they haven't lost again. Uh, so the issue is in good shape to win that game. And, they completely fell apart in the final six minutes and got dominated in that game in, in uh, Tempe. And, you know, they've lost, they ended up losing five conference home games of the 10 that they played. They're done with the conference home schedule now. So I think that that's uh, the, the, the case against is uh, certainly, I think, the fact that uh, you know, five and five, when you have 10 conference home games, that's not a good record. You know, is this a fair characterization as well that uh, in some regards, ASU kind of catches your attention in non-conference play. There's a couple of wins over the course of the year where you're like, wow, they were not expected to win. They went out one and played really well. So then you're therefore your expectations change a little bit. And when it comes to conference play, that's when the disappointment sets in. And it's odd because it's not like the Pac-12 has been murderers row. Right now, it appears only three teams and maybe not even three. Uh, but definitely ASU, excuse me, the U of A and uh, 
UCLA are in the NCAA tournament, but after that, you know, some of the bracketologists have USC in. Uh, I think USC is getting a little bit of slack because you know, you know, forty percent of their starting lineup missed four or five games in a row. They're you know, at least as of last Saturday, all healthy again. Uh, so you know, the fact that they took a couple of losses during that stretch, including at Oregon State, where it's really there's no excuse to lose a game at Oregon State, no matter if you have forty percent of your lineup in or out. But the fact that the conference is it's not the Big 12 uh, or you know, whoever you consider to be the second best conference in college basketball, it's not that either. And that's been the case for several years running. And ASU has had several good, really impressive starts to a season and some very impressive non-conference victories to start a season. But uh, it does not seem as if too uh, frequently over the Bobby Hurley era, except unfortunately for the COVID year when the season got shut down, when I think they had uh, their best chance of making a tournament run. Other than that season, they do not seem to improve during the season with frequency. We'll get into this much more. Answer the question around 1230, and we'll also get Doug Haller of The Athletics Thoughts around 1215 for ASU Hoops. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. Bob, he caught up with Jesse Alger in the previous hour, talking all things San Diego Padres and the increased expectations. So on Twitter, Padres 2023 win-loss total over under uh, 93.5 wins, under out in front at 60% of the vote, over sitting at 40 percent yeah uh, increased expectations i think is an excellent way to put it uh needless to say uh you know last year they didn't have obviously their entire roster intact until they got to the trade deadline and made lots of moves at that point those moves didn't make much of a difference in the regular season the dodgers finished 22 games ahead of the padres at the end of the regular season but, of course, the Padres won the American League, uh, excuse me, the National League Division Series in, you know, best of five, remember. And one in four games and eliminated the Dodgers. So after that, uh, you know, certainly expectations, I uh, think, is an excellent word uh, to talk about the uh, Padres heading into this season. And we'll answer that question as well around 1230 today. The NBA, it returns from the All-Star break today uh the suns they're not returning until friday we'll get into them here momentarily but i wanted to touch on a few of the teams that are playing today and tomorrow in terms of just kind of resetting the scene of where everything's at and when you look at what's going on with the pelicans they're at the raptors today the pelicans were a top team if you look back to just before the calendar turned to 2023, so the end of December, the Pelicans were sitting at 23-12 and 12 with their record. But Zion Williamson hurt his hamstring on January 2nd, and everything has turned. At one point, the Pelicans did lose 10 straight games, Four of those included uh, in that 10-game stretch when Brandon Ingram had returned after he had missed an extensive period of time with a big toe issue. Uh, Pelicans VP of Basketball Operations David Griffin said that it will be multiple weeks past the All-Star break that Zion can return as he did have a setback with that hamstring injury. No real understanding of what multiple weeks past the All-Star break actually means. But when you look at the record for the Pelicans, they're 30 and 29, and they're currently sitting at seventh in the West. Yeah, I think that they're the uh, to the stage where they're just hopefully he's back for the postseason. And uh, 
Unfortunately, this is not terribly surprising that Zion has some injury issues. We've talked about this uh, be, since even before he was drafted. We talked about when he was obviously going to be the number one overall pick that particular year. When he was at Duke, we talked whether his body was going to be made for the, N- the NBA. Clearly, it has not been for a variety. It hasn't been one injury either. It's been several injuries, different body parts, lower body almost every time, if not every time. And, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, like many teams and with that. And he clearly, I like Ingram a lot, but yeah, Zion is obviously their best player. And, you know, the Suns ended up playing uh, the Pelicans for three times in like 10 days there or whatever. It was a very short period of time. And Zion was playing those games. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so Suns fans are certainly just watching those games. You understand the impact of him to the Pelicans. And when you look at the win-loss total for the Pelicans as it currently sits, they're now down to 42.5 wins. That's still a lot of wins, and so you may want to consider taking the under there. The number's coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app, and maybe I'm talking to myself there after I had an over-ticket on them from beginning of the year. Yeah, I didn't play any over-under totals in the NBA this year. Uh, I thought I was pretty lucky to cash a couple of tickets last season. And uh, you know, I think it's pretty well known that uh, my opinion of the NBA regular season has never been terribly strong to begin with and never has it been a lower point than it is right now. I think it's pretty much uh, it's like six months of a waste of time. And let's just see who's playing for whom when the playoffs start and hope that everybody that's good is healthy and playing. Uh, you, you certainly have a point there, especially with how things have uh, unfolded with the trade deadline and none other than the Phoenix Suns, uh, two mainstays uh, on the, the roster that kind of helped build this team and uh, were kind of seen as pieces to the future. Not here anymore because Kevin Durant, he's not even healthy yet, uh, still waiting for him to return. And so to that point, we'll just get into the Suns here momentarily. They're tomorrow uh, facing and hosting the Thunder. Shams reporting yesterday that KD and the Suns are targeting his Suns debut on Wednesday. That's on the road in Charlotte. He's been out since January 8th, but basically uh, making moves in order to bring in Kevin Durant and going all in. Yeah, and uh, once again, Brian Windhorst uh, yesterday and today, uh, within the last two hours, uh, reporting that he could uh, that uh, Durant could make his debut as early as Sunday in Milwaukee. Mm. Obviously, we have conflicting reports. It reminds me of the NFL right now. Uh, there seems to be several conflicting reports, uh, seemingly on a daily basis when we're in the uh, regular season or you know starting into the postseason here with franchise tags earlier this week and so forth depends on who you believe in as far as the uh, network insiders uh so we'll see when durant plays and uh you know that's like i said it, it, you know yesterday it was if you go chronologically Windhorse, you know first reported that uh that uh, durant could make his debut as early as sunday uh, then uh, you know, Sharania had the Wednesday thing. And then again this morning on SportsCenter this morning within the last two hours, Windhorse sticking with the idea that uh, he may play Sunday. Durant, not not Windhorse. <laughs> I think the Suns would rather have Kevin Durant out there. Uh, that would be true. When it comes, though, to some other 
pieces of this Suns team campaign. He has missed 21 games with a right foot sprain. Before the All-Star break, it was said that he was back on the court ramping up his conditioning. So looking to maybe see him back on Friday, possibly, potentially. I think it's he's been out a lot longer than most people anticipated when he first went down with the injury. Yeah, I believe he hasn't played since the first game of 2023, somewhere in that ballpark, very early in this calendar year. Uh, the speculation was last week before they went on the break that uh, Friday was, a, a, I don't know if officially a target date, but there was certainly a lot of uh, you know speculation uh, that he would return for that game. And, you yeah, know, that would be helpful. I mean, Lee's done a decent job as a backup point guard, but I think you'd rather have him as your third point guard. Uh, then you also have Landry Shamit. Uh, he was set to be reevaluated after the All-Star break. He's missed 15 games with a foot issue. Uh, so we'll see how much uh, importance he plays in everything for the Suns moving forward now that you don't have, um, you know, Mikhail Bridges and you don't have Cam Johnson. Yeah, even though I do think there's less of an urgency for Shamit to be playing because Booker is returned. And Duran is here now, so you know you need. Uh, you know, Shamit's had some very good scoring games this season when healthy, and uh, you know that's uh, a void that uh, they certainly they'd like to have him. But I think it's less imperative that they have him because they have other options that can put the ball in the basket at least. Uh, assuming Durant's okay when he returns, whenever that might be. And Booker obviously has uh, looked good since he's come back and you know, he's ramped up the minutes as we've continued his uh, his return from his uh, you know, prolonged absence. We'll get into more surrounding the return of the NBA uh, from the All-Star break on the other side of the break. But also seeing this here from Jeff Legwold that uh, Vance Joseph is returning to Denver as the team's new defensive coordinator. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Vance Joseph was a one-time head coach with the Broncos, and now he's returning under Sean Payton to be the defensive coordinator and also have to make sure that it's known. Completely different ownership now uh, in Vance Joseph's return. That's true. And uh, as we mentioned, I talked about this a little bit during the during the sports zone today, but uh, no Rex Ryan. So we got the gig over, over Rex Ryan and others. There were several guys mentioned as possibly being the defensive coordinator for Sean Payton in Denver. We'll get into a little bit more of that. More NBA. It is the Extra Point. Your calls today at 1130-602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the program around 1130 here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. HD Radio is here for KDOS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Returning here on Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060, as always online at KDOS1060.com. And now with the new KDOS 1060 app, Apple and Android users, download and take advantage of the listener rewards available for you, powered by the Superbook Sports. Uh, as we went to break there, we were discussing how Vance Joseph, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see this happen because I... 
I don't know why I was concerned about it because it's not, uh, I mean, he was going to get paid regardless of what happened here, but just how everything unfolded with the coaching search taking as long as it did with the Arizona Cardinals and not being released from his contract to find other work. Uh, you were just kind of uh, thinking to yourself, some of the other opportunities were starting to close. And then he had the opportunity with the Eagles and here with the Broncos. So I'm glad to see that Vance Joseph has, if he wanted to keep coaching, which obviously he did, finding a landing spot for himself and it's with the Denver Broncos and he has uh, some great pieces on his team uh, to really continue forth with what's been a really really good defense for quite some time now that would be true I think the biggest surprise to me at least is that he did not get a head coaching interview to my knowledge uh, except for I guess he here but other than here uh, I think we were kind of led to believe uh, certainly at the end of the uh, you know, 2021 season uh, that uh, he was going to get an opportunity to be a head coach again, and maybe he will be. But you know, we had lots of people interviewed for jobs in the last you know, you know, six weeks or so since the season ended. And uh, to my knowledge, uh, you know, he did not get a gig. or He didn't get a gig, obviously, but he didn't get an interview uh, for any of those head coaching openings other than here. You're definitely right on that front. And, uh, you know, who knows? If you uh, suddenly are part of a Broncos team that turns it around, uh, really the offense is the the side of the ball that has to turn it around, though. But if you're part of a team that turns it around, suddenly you become a more attractive candidate. Yeah. And really, unfortunately for Vance, is, uh, you know, I think that everybody expects that defense to be really good. And uh, if it's not, maybe that, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, his chances of uh, becoming a head coach again but you know, he's going to a good situation and uh, I'm not uh, sure what exactly happened in Philadelphia I mean there's been lots of stuff going on in Philadelphia whether it's Jim Leonard or Vance Joseph uh, who seemingly uh, at one time both of those were the quote front runners uh, to become the next defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. Uh, yes, that's quite, quite interesting as well. So we'll obviously be continuing to monitor what happens with the Eagles and they're filling their vacancy. It was easier for them in the Eagles to fill the offensive side of the ball. It was harder to fill the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's also evidenced by how they went back and, and tried to lure Jonathan Gannon back to being the defensive coordinator with more money. That's true. Um, so we'll see what happens there. And, uh, Lots of things going on for a team that just lost to the Super Bowl. There, I don't remember too many teams uh, off the top of my head that have had you know more personnel questions, whether it be coaching staff or key players, uh, than the Eagles heading into the offseason. Well, what did I say? It was since uh, Mike Shanahan and Ray Rhodes that a uh, team, so what was that, 1994, that yeah. a team that was playing in the Super Bowl lost both of their coordinators? That's true, yep. I forgot about that. You're right. So you know, maybe you mentioned that before, and uh, yeah, that's uh, you know quite the you know quite quite the you know obstacle to overcome in a short period of time, and even a shorter period of time, obviously, for a team that just appeared in the Super Bowl and played the last game of the season. Yeah, I mean, I know that Bill Belichick always talks about that that uh, you're behind the eight ball when you make it to the Super Bowl because all the other teams have had a leg up on scouting. They've all had a leg up on trying to figure out what direction they're going to go. And now you're even a little bit further behind because your coaching staff isn't settled and the NFL combine is next week. Yeah. I've never quite bought the scouting part of this because you got people that do that for a living and that's what their job is. 
but as far as you know, you know, replacing people on your own staff, I do think that's an issue. That's a, an issue, or could be an issue. It's definitely a, an obstacle. I'm going to stick with that word. Obstacle is a good word. I'm not yet thank, ready thank to you. go with word of the day, but it's a good one. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, I got to amp it up here for the next hour and a half or so. Huh? Absolutely. Okay. Let's get- well, I, I went out with a walk off yesterday, so that gives me a little slack today. Uh, yes, it will. Okay. But there's still room for improvement. Um, uh, come on, just <laughs> stop there. So, uh, okay. Let's get back into the NBA a bit here. And these two teams, for various different reasons, always captivate everyone. But yet, they're currently where they are. So we have to kind of keep that with a caveat. Uh, the Warriors play the Lakers today. And we'll start with the Warriors. They're currently 29 and 29 and sitting in ninth place in the West. Steph Curry has been out since February 4th with partial tears in his lower left leg. The Warriors announced yesterday that he'll be evaluated in one week's time. Curry, though, has actually already missed 20 games this season with shoulder injury and this leg injury. And obviously, he's such an integral part of what the Warriors want to do. And sitting in ninth place, that's not where the Warriors envision themselves. They have yet to guard anybody uh, this whole season for the most part. And uh, obviously, the Suns have played them three times and uh they've got to guard any sons but it's just not it's they just don't guard people and uh yeah they've got people that have guarded before that aren't guarding people uh so i have no idea i don't think that uh you know curry's return has anything to do with their defensive intensity uh which uh we're 60 games roughly into the season now and there we should be past the championship hangover at this point uh, so, you know, this conference, including the Suns, I mean, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of uh, change on a nightly basis when you've got uh, five or six teams that are separated by one or two losses at this point of the season. And, uh, you know, a lot of those teams are playing tonight. The Suns don't play tomorrow. I think the Suns, I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure that the Suns, since they played the last game before the All-Star break last uh Thursday night have been given a little slack on the schedule when they come back from the all-star break and they're kind of like the last contending team or one of the last contending teams or a playoff contending team uh, to play after they return from the all-star break. For me, the Warriors, I thought that, you know, the championship window, they extended it last year and they absolutely did what they needed to do if they wanted to get another championship ring with the core group that they have. So I'm really curious to see what ends up happening this offseason. Obviously, tons of speculation about Draymond Green and his future. You even have the future of the general manager and whether or not he wants to stick around. Uh, So there's plenty of uh, maybe we've seen the end of the dynasty that is the warriors yeah maybe and i think that certainly they expected uh, i think more from kaminga and uh, james white james wiseman who they traded right. uh, at the deadline so i think that uh, they anticipated it at least uh you know kaminga's had some really good moments i will say but uh you know the fact that wiseman who's you know pretty much uh, kind of an unknown player when he came into the league because he only played he played less than you know 15 games in his college career at memphis uh you know, but you know, certainly he was drafted in the in the lottery and they expected a lot more out of him at some point and they really never got a lot out of him 
The other team that the Warriors are playing today, that's the Lakers. They're sitting at 27-32 and 32 on the season and 13th in the West. Uh, but by all accounts, the talking heads are saying, hey, get ready, watch out for the Lakers. They're going to make some noise and uh, make it challenging for anyone that they face in the playoffs because they sent out Russell Westbrook. They reacquired D'Angelo Russell, plus they were able to acquire Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt and so uh that's that's where everything stands can the Lakers make a push they currently have a win-loss total on the FanDuel Sportsbook app at 40 and a half wins I would be really surprised the Lakers were a factor if they make the postseason uh, right now obviously if I want to just do the math they're not in the postseason uh, to even begin with you know I don't think the Westbrook thing really matters to me and you know, you know basically yeah, I'm not a Russell fan. I've stated this uh, many times that uh, you know, I think guys change and grow up sometimes, but uh, I don't necessarily think he's Mr. T- Mr. Team, uh, more of a we, you know, me guy than a we guy, and certainly was that when he was at Ohio State when he was a completely selfish player and nobody was uh, you know crying when he left Ohio State early for the NBA draft. Uh, and then, you know, basically the other guys that were in that trade with Minnesota, I think are nice complimentary pieces on a team that's good and the Lakers are not good. Uh, you know, I'd agree with that. They're not. I think it's just the Laker brand, right? Absolutely. Uh, and not just the Laker brand. When you got Davis and, and you know, obviously LeBron James, uh, who unfortunately neither of them have been a pillar of uh, you know, day-to-day health in recent seasons, even LeBron, obviously. Uh, so can you count on those guys playing every game for the rest of the season? And they're at the point now where you know, pretty much everybody in the in the West below like fourth in the standings or below Sacramento. Let's kind of use Sacramento as a jumping point because they've won. Uh, they've got uh, – I think they've actually kind of put themselves in a nice position, uh, third in the conference. And, you know, they're three games ahead of the Clippers uh, for the four spot. So I think that they've put themselves in a good mathematical position at this point. Uh, but other than that, I don't think there's any team below that, including the Suns, that can really afford any kind of a you know, long losing streak. Uh, and maybe a long losing streak in this conference right now, considering how they're all bunched up, is like three games. You're right, uh, and you you fed right into these fascinating teams here, and one of them is the Kings. They're 32 and 25, surprising everyone. Mike Brown, head coach, uh, can the Kings keep it rolling here in the All Star break? We've seen enough, right? I have. They're good. They're really good offensively. Uh, you know, they're they're not. You know, they've got a lot of guys. If you watch college basketball, they're not surprised that they're this good offensively. Yeah, I wonder – I'm not sure about their playoffs, it, you know, how their playoff uh, you know, fate is going to be because at some point you got to stop somebody, and I'm not sure they can do that. Uh, in fact, they really haven't done that. And, uh, you know, they, they can score the basketball, though. They've got plenty of dudes on offense that you don't have a problem with the shot clock's running down and they have the ball. The other team that I find fascinating here, the Clippers, they're sitting at 33 and 28, and they, uh, you know, bought out Russell Westbrook. He's uh, now a L.A. Clipper, so good for him. He doesn't have to move anywhere after the trade. Uh, but 
I guess I just don't understand this. Uh, I understand that Russell Westbrook and Paul George are friends off the court, and so therefore they think that that's going to be able to to work on the court. But we've seen enough from Russell Westbrook to say he's not enhancing a team that's just close enough to get it done, and it could potentially go the other direction. Yeah, even though I would say that Westbrook's going to fit anywhere, it's going to be with the Clippers, and not just because of his relationship with Paul George. And you know, they certainly played well together in their Oklahoma City days. So I can understand. I can understand this far more. I never understood the Lakers thing. I never thought that was going to work, and thought that was just a disaster waiting to happen. And it was, as it turns out. I'm not the only person that thought that ahead of time, uh, but it, uh, I can see him fitting with the Clippers. They don't have. Yeah, you know, I, I think that you know, Paul George and, and Kawhi that they can't you know, have the ball all the time, and uh, yeah, so I think that's actually if Westbrook's going to fit anywhere, I think it would be with the Clippers. And he definitely still he guards people. He still tries to guard people. Not as good as he was, but you know everybody's gonna get older for the most part. Uh, unless you're a shot blocker, I think probably an exception uh, that would be the exception to the idea here. But uh, as you get older in the NBA, your defensive skills are probably going to wane some. And flipping this over to the Eastern Conference here, potentially the debut of Jay Crowder. Uh, the Heat are taking on the Bucks tomorrow. Budenholzer had said the team wouldn't have him play until after the All-Star break. Well, here we are. So does he play on uh, Friday? It does look like the Bucks were able to avoid some major disaster with Giannis. According to Woj, he did suffer a sprained ligament in his right wrist, and he'll be able to return to the lineup once the pain does subside. But at least it's not a season-ending situation for the Bucs who are 41 and uh, 17 just a half game back of the Celtics in the East yeah and uh, yeah if Giannis remains healthy I mean obviously this you know, I think it's still I want to see him play you know go through more than just one game coming back and being healthy yeah you know, I think that they're actually the best team as of right now uh, in the NBA if I had to bet on a team to win they would be the one uh, they've won 12 games in a row Obviously, Giannis was injured in the final game before the All-Star break. Unfortunately, bad timing there. I know good timing when you're injured, but uh, you know, especially at that time, I guess it's better now than you know at the end last game of the regular season before the playoffs start. But uh, yeah, they've seemingly put things together. Middleton is you know after the slow start has played better. They're unbelievably good at home. Uh, I don't have the, all the road home records in front of me, but uh, they've only lost a, you know, a handful of. They lost five here. Here have the standings now. They have five road, five home losses for the entire season, and they played 29 games. That's pretty darn impressive. And I mean, how, it's so hard to guard Giannis. I mean, now that he's really kind of taken his game to a whole new level, he's a freight train when he gets running downhill uh, into the paint. He has different shots, and he's not as much of a liability at the free throw line. Yeah, but it was easier to guard him when other guys weren't doing as much. Uh, so, you know, now they've gotten some contributions with others, not just Middleton, but, you know, some of the other players. And, and they're still not 100% as far as their bench goes. And uh, I, I assume they're anticipating that that, gets, uh, that situation gets better as time goes on. And maybe not. Maybe that's why they went on got Crowder, too. So I've not uh, really I'm not delved into the injury situation for the Bucks here uh, for some time since before the trade deadline. And uh, you know, we'll see if, if they're healthy uh, and all their you know, rotation guys are available. 
Uh, as I mentioned, I think if I had to bet, which I have no interest in betting on an NBA future before the playoffs start, quite frankly, uh, but if I had to, they would be the team I would pick to win the NBA right now. Well, it's interesting. In order to make room for Crowder and everybody, they had, uh, you know, traded Serge Ibaka, and then he has since been uh, released, and yet he hasn't picked up yet with another team. So that's kind of fascinating to watch in the, the waiver market at the moment. Uh, your calls, if you'd like to join the program, 602-260-1060. Your time, if you'd like to join the show, 602-260-1060. It is The Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and now with the new KDOS 1060 app download at Apple and Android users take advantage of all of the listener rewards coming to you the app powered by Superbook Sports so let's take a look at the Honda Classic for just a second here Bob uh, so this morning so it's kind of a weird adjustment, right? Because we had the West Coast swing. And so when I woke up, nobody was teeing off. It wasn't until a little bit later in the morning that you could start finding some scores. So this time around, wake up and you almost have scores immediately going on. Uh, so a couple of our guys that we were monitoring, uh, Ben Taylor, he was a long shot we had to finish in the top 20 at plus 450. Well, he's off to a fantastic start. So we just have three more days. Come on, Ben. He's at uh, three under par in a tie for fourth right now. The leaders are Joseph Bramlett and Billy Horschel at five under par. This course just has so much variance to it with all the water in play. The bear trap, 15 through 17. Bob, there's your guy, the bear trap, Jack Nicholas, uh, making uh, things uh. tough for the for the guys on the PGA Tour. Another one of our guys, I guess it's a Ben week. Uh, ben Griffin had him in the top 20 as well. He shot one under par, and that's currently good enough for tie for 18th. When it comes to the odds-on favorites, Sunjay M, he is uh, two under par through four holes. That's good enough for a tie for eighth right now. And Shane Lowry was the other uh odds on favorite to win the golf tournament he's done for the day he also shot two under par though and done as i mentioned done for the day so we'll continue to monitor what's happening at the honda classic a few games took place in college hoops yesterday and we'll start with number 18 uconn topping number 20 providence 87 to 69 uconn's interesting because after they started undefeated they ended up losing six of eight now, since they lost their last game, they've won five of six. So does this resurgence mean we have to start paying attention to them again? Yeah, I think they're actually the team in the conference and the Big East that has the best chance of reaching the Final Four. Uh, you know, they to, I don't remember them having injuries. Their guard play is inconsistent, I think would be a good word for that. And when their guards are, you know, kind of holding their own or doing better than that that they win games uh they've got big guys you know sonogo and uh caravan they don't always get the ball however because uh, the guard play has not been consistent uh so i think that uh, if we just kind of took take a look at the uh i haven't done this but uh, i think it's pretty safe to say that if you just take a look at the 
some of the game logs and uh, try to basically grade out how the guard play has been. I think that's probably when they win in some games. They also had a schedule stretch where they played, you know, basically the best teams in a conference on the road and uh, lost uh, pretty much all of those games. And in fact, they're kind of going through this, what they're actually calling uh, the Connecticut players are calling the revenge tour. Uh, and, uh, you know, part of that was losing at Providence earlier this season. And now they're, they're like three and zero in these revenge tour games. So that's uh, the story with UConn here. And of course, that's another Hurley brother at the helm. Uh, you also then had over in the ACC, Boston College beating number six, Virginia, 63 to 48. BC is 8 and 10 in ACC play play but according to Pete Thamel this is the first time that Boston College has beaten three ranked teams in a season since 2008-2009 it comes with a bit of a caveat here when they beat Duke they were ranked number 17 we know where Duke's currently at now number 21 Va Tech and then number 6 Virginia last night yeah I actually like Duke now uh yeah they have all their players and they've only lost one game this season when Duke has had its players, uh, their scholarship players intact, unfortunately, there's been several games where they didn't have that uh, those guys intact. But they are intact now, and they are playing much better now than they were previously. They've also gone to the two-point guard you know, starting lineup, uh, and that's worked out really well. As far as Virginia goes, uh, you know, actually, last night was the first time that uh, BC had beaten a top-10 team since they beat uh, top-ranked Duke in 2017. But it's a joke uh, that uh, yeah, that Virginia was a top ten team. They're not a top ten team. Uh, I think you can make a case, that, a better case, that they're not a top twenty team than a top ten team. If you just, uh, you know, how many games does Virginia win in the big in the Big Twelve if they played that schedule every night? Uh, so Virginia, not the greatest offensive team, except for the year that they won the national championship. Uh, in most years, they're not the greatest offensive team, and they're, they're not a good offensive team at all this year when they're not making shots. They shot 32% last night and scored 48 points against a Boston College team that's below five. Actually, they're not, they are below 500, 14 and 15 now. Uh, then you also have number one, Houston, clobbering Tulane, 89-59. to 59. The number one jinx, at least for this time around, didn't take place. Uh, and so they went on to, to dismantle Tulane last night. Next up for them is Eastern Carolina on Saturday. They don't really have that tough of a schedule until they get into the tournament. Yeah, I didn't watch any of this game. I, I've got no reason really to watch too many Houston games. They played Memphis the other day. But unfortunately, Memphis, uh, without its best player uh, and uh, you know, possibly the best player in the conference, in fact, uh, out of the game, didn't play, and, and, and Houston actually kind of struggled to win that game. Uh, so I, I think the toughest team for me to assess in college basketball is Houston. Uh, they play tremendous defense. Uh, you know, they're an incredible offensive rebounding team. You know, Sasser's a really good player. He uh, was injured and didn't play last season. Well, he, got, he played early last season and got hurt and was out for the rest of the year. And I know that they got the metrics people think they're the greatest team in the history of Earth. Uh, I'm not quite buying that. Uh, and they get the one thing they do without a doubt, uh, no matter who they're playing, is they are the king of the 50-50 ball. It's more like 80-20. 
Uh, and for people, the U of A fans or people that watched that day, U of A Houston game in the NCAA tournament last year, that hasn't changed. I mean, Houston seemingly gets every loose ball. Uh, they're exceptionally well coached by Kelvin Sampson. But I just don't know how much they stack up against the best teams in the country. You know, they played a home game earlier this year against Alabama, and uh, they had a big lead in that game and blew it, and Alabama won that game. And Alabama was, uh, you know, the freshman-dominated team, Alabama, and they won that game in, uh, you know, pre, pre-Christmas. Uh, so Alabama's even gotten better since then. So I have a tough time evaluating Houston and, it's actually, I, I could, I did, it's kind of a waste of my time to get Tulane's better, but I'm not going to learn anything by watching a Houston home game against Tulane. You mentioned Alabama. Number two, Alabama beat South Carolina 78-76 in overtime. There's just an incredible amount right now that's more important than basketball going on surrounding this Alabama program. And one of the people that is certainly at the center of all of this is Brandon Miller. Uh, and he certainly um, has, well, in terms of what's going on with the team, they have decided not to suspend him. They have decided not to put any sort of uh, punishment on him. And so he was able to play much to the chagrin of the South Carolina fans who let him know about it. He ended up scoring 41 points, which was a career high last night on 14 of 25 from the floor. It included the game tying bucket to send it to overtime, as well as the game winner with 0.8 seconds to go in overtime. Yeah, whether he should be playing or not, I don't even think it's an argument. He should be uh, at least have some kind of uh, penalty involved. And uh, I don't think we really need. I got into some of the issues yesterday regarding his situation, uh, but he's not a suspect in the murder case. Uh, and he's an active member of the Crimson Tide team, is the way that the, the school put it in a statement yesterday. Uh, just basketball wise, I've said this for several weeks running now. Yeah, Miller is going to be, at least as of right now, or before all this stuff came out the last few days, uh, considered to be the first college player drafted. Not going to be the first player drafted because the dude from France is going to be the first player drafted. But uh, Miller considered to be certainly the best freshman in college basketball. And the game that he played last night is the best individual game I've seen from any player in college basketball this season. There's not really much going tonight in college hoops. Number 21, Northwestern at Illinois. Uh, number four, UCLA at Utah tonight. Yeah, I actually think the two biggest things that are happening tonight for the for – actually for the three biggest things this week for the conference, the Pac-12, is they need the U of A to beat – as a conference, they need the U of A to beat ASU on Saturday uh, to keep the number one seed alive. And they need USC and UCLA to sweep the mountain schools because, you know, obviously UCLA is in a running for number one seed. And USC right now is the third and final team in the, in the NCAA tournament, according to most of the bracketology people. Final segment of hour number one on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Easy Sports Talk with former NFL and MLB player Ed Smith and co-host Javon Adams airs Saturday mornings 10 to noon on KDUS AM 1060.
ton of extra point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and download the new KDOS 1060 app, Apple and Android users. Take advantage of the listener rewards to you. So Netflix seems to be heavy into these docu-series. Did you see what they're going to do with the NFL, Bob? I did not. All right. So it looks like there is going to be a partnership with the NFL. Uh, Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions is involved. And it follows Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota from the 2022 season. It's titled Quarterback appropriately uh but it begins with the 2022 season and it goes through the conclusions so certainly this is going to be interesting because you have mahomes uh winning a super bowl this year so to be able to get some insights into all of that maybe we find out more about the injury uh but kirk cousins and marcus Mariota are certainly some interesting choices to follow along yeah, I think that Minnesota, you know, certainly they wanted every close game they played until the postseason when they lost to the Giants. And that was uh, the talk of a lot of, uh, you know, people that are involved in metrics and the luck factor and all those things. But uh, I would assume uh, following Cousins, and if you followed the Vikings on a weekly basis, you're almost guaranteed to be in a, you know, have a close game. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Uh, you know, the Mariota thing, that didn't quite work out. And obviously, uh, you know, what happened with him at the end of the regular season is kind of, uh, I think, somewhat of a mystery as a part, you know, he had the knee surgery and whether the team knew everything that was going on there or not. I don't know that that was at least at one time up in the air, but quite frankly, something that I have not pondered uh, since uh, like the end of the regular season, which is seemingly a very long time ago. <laughs> Well, maybe we'll find out what happened, to your point, is the mystery as it was at the end of the regular season. And not everyone can be Patrick Mahomes in the stars. So kind of Marcus Mariota's turned into a bit of a journeyman after uh, his tenure in Tennessee came to a conclusion. Interesting here as well, and hopefully uh, we get some good insight, is that the quarterbacks were actually mic'd up for every single game this season. So mm. that could be fascinating if they let us in on all the little secrets that happen on the field. That'll do it for hour number one hour number two is coming up on the other side of the break doug haller of the athletic expected to join us as well